I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State's in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, June the 10th. Um, we're going to rejoin our um, What If Hoops podcast. I think we're probably going to make it through the rest of the topics tonight. Um, we had a really good list, so again, I want to thank folks out there who sent those in. Um, I will try to attribute where I can, but there were also a bunch of them that were um, mo- more than you know one person asked or something like that. Um, before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First, up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, dude? Yeah, it's been been an interesting week. Uh, it's kind of weird. You know, I was trying to say something funny in these, but I think need to kind of bridge the seriousness of what we discussed last week with not letting it disappear. So a lot of that stuff's still on my mind and spent a lot of time this week kind of learning more and educating myself more and reaching out to my to my black friends we discussed and um and listen to our podcast again, which I found really good. I really appreciate Tony being on, but I'm glad to be here. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. Um, let's see up in uh, Reston. Is he is he in Reston? No. I think that's going to be a new bit, I moved, right? It's, like three weeks ago. I know, but I keep okay. Here's what happens: I psych myself out right before I say it, and I think Reston, no Arlington, no Alexandria, and then I get stuck. That's what happens to me right before I say your name. Eh, it's all kind of the same thing, right? So up in Northern Virginia, which uh, mm-hmm. for the record will not capitalize Northern because it's not. We're in three area. different area codes, I believe. <laughs> so there you go. Um, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the program. How's it going, man? It's going. Um, I kind of wanted to echo everything that Dave just said. Um, if you didn't listen to the show last week, I hope that you will. Um, I, th- I really felt good after we made it. Tony did a great job explaining so many things. Um, I got, I, I just wanted to thank everybody that kind of responded back. I, I heard from some people that I don't really hear from very often about the show that, that they said they really liked it. I know we got some good stuff on the board. Um, I sent it to a few people that I normally wouldn't send it to if we were talking about basketball or football or whatever. And, and they gave me positive feedback as well. So, um, I'm really glad that we could do it. Uh, I did mention, um, on Twitter that I want to kind of start looking for, some like good organizations to support with the show just give them a quick shout out at the beginning and then put the link in the show notes uh so if you have any um it can be racially racial justice related it can be something else um because i think there's it's it's a good opportunity for us to kind of like highlight all kinds of different things on the show so um i'm going to continue to kind of like try to find good causes and, and good organizations in the charlottesville area or in the commonwealth to kind of you know, highlight or whatever we can do to help them out um, with the platform that we have. So if you have any organizations that you know about or want us to highlight, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email, send me something in the mail, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, Add Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter or send it to me there. Uh, Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional uh, witty banter. I want to echo everything Dave and and Ferber just said. Um, the last week has been. Uh, first off, I was I was really 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 happy that Tony came on the show and and gave us that perspective and that we were able to put that together. Um, I was really pleased that we didn't get a whole lot of um, I don't want to call it um, yeah uh, static. Uh, we didn't get people you know jumping in my mentions on Twitter. I had one guy um, who came at me, but I you know everything else was super supportive. Um, you know in terms of what we did, I thought the comments on the board. I've I also got a couple emails. Um, I, there's a, a family who lives in my neighborhood who has a fence that they have, um, that I think there was a kid's birthday during quarantine. And so they, you know, had people write messages on. So then the chalk on that wall, it was like a long fence along a major road. 
in my neighborhood became like a place for people to, to, to comment about things and, um, or just to like leave fun messages or whatever. And in the, in the wake of, of George Floyd's death and, um, the black lives matter, um, protests and, um, and whatnot in recent weeks, um, that fence has taken on a completely different identity. And so the other night I'm on a walk with my kid and there's a, essentially an altercation happening in front of me where a white man saw the sign, apparently didn't like it, drove around the neighborhood because you actually had to drive around and into it to get to this person's house and essentially started a thing with them in their front yard about it and about how wrong it was. Um, And then, you know, I had to have a really, you know, hard conversation with my kid about it. And I I know that those are uncomfortable moments for, for white folks like me. And those are the moments that you are preparing your, your kids, your family, uh, your friends, what you know, whatever yourself, um, not only for the realities that other people face, but also for the realities that are, is the world. And I think that um, as hard as that was for 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 my kid to watch unfold and then to kind of have to explain, I thought um, in hindsight the opportunity to to talk about these things is good. The opportunity to to and you got to take them. And so I'm glad, you know, looking at the numbers of, you know, listens and stuff for that show, people didn't avoid it. It was um, pretty standard numbers for what we normally do. So I was really pleased with that, pleased with the response. And I want to thank everybody out there who was supportive. If you were someone who needed to hear that, I'm glad you did. And again, I want to thank Tony and uh, Dave and Ferber for being a part of it. It was, um, you know, I think we did some some good there and we're going to continue to. I mentioned uh, this on Twitter and I'll, I'll put it out here as well. We're going to create a staff position. Um, specifically for a person of color, somebody maybe who is uh, who wants to get into sports writing, somebody who would love to to get their foot in the door. I'm going to um, create that opportunity for them, and then hopefully we'll have somebody who comes in, does some stuff for a while, goes on to bigger and better things, and we can keep doing that. I think that's an um, a, a way we can help contribute, not just in terms of getting more perspective out there, but also giving opportunities to folks. Um, so if you know somebody who, or you are somebody who would be interested in that, please feel free to reach out. Um, Twitter DMs, my email, whatever, um, whatever, however you can find me. All right, let's uh, let's transition back to the hoops, what ifs, right? So, so Virginia basketball. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but they won a national championship. And the thing, if if folks remember that we were really struggling with, like, how do you do the what ifs when you have this like actual good thing that happened that you'd kind of rather not undo? And so we kind of have tried to approach these in sort of the unenviable position of like, hey. Would how would this impact the championship? Would it would it undo it? Would it impact it at all? And so I think as we go through some of these tonight, we're probably going to hear similar sort of um, um, you know similar sort of balancing act that we're we're going to try to do. There are a handful of these that I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, I'm going to try to cover um, more than just those. Um, let's start on the injury front. So I had a bunch of questions about various injuries, right? Um, RMJ want to know what if Justin Anderson doesn't have an appendectomy, right? Uh, David want to know what if J.R. Reynolds doesn't roll his ankle in 2007 or uh, AG doesn't roll his in 2014. Brian Hammond want to know what if Majestic Map didn't get hurt. How would Pete Gillen's tenure have changed? Uh, Jackson want to know what if Dre never breaks his wrist. Um, but the big injury one for me, and I'm going to open this conversation specifically on this question, and then we can talk about the others if you guys feel, for, feel like it. it. Mine is, and this is one we got from several people, what if Malcolm Brogdon had not hurt his foot? Um, and if you remember, right, so Brogdon hurts, gets, gets hurt. He takes that red shirt year because of it. And I mean, you could really make an argument that everything changed for Virginia basketball in a, in a variety of ways because of the sort of resetting of that in a way. Um, 
So I guess, Dave, I want to start with you. If Malcolm had not broken his foot, um, what's different? How different is the program? What, what if that had not been a thing? I mean, Malcolm probably doesn't develop into the, you know, as good as he was at the end. Because, you know, he talked often about how much he learned that redshirt year. You know, how much you know, he was able to transform his body working with Mike. And just thinking how good he was as a senior. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we keep asking all these what-if questions, but there's two injuries to me. Malcolm's one, I think him having that extra year, being there to kind of transition to the to the squad that ultimately won the title. Like, his being there that extra year probably helped accelerate the growth of those guys being able to work out with them, right? Um, maybe you have a better season that year he's out, but, I'd, I'd, you know, I wouldn't trade it for what you got with him being there an extra year. And then... So when I think of his injury and then you, know, you think of a lot of negative injuries with the appendectomy and, you know, Justin breaking his, um, he broke his finger, right? It wasn't his wrist. Yeah, it was a finger on the rim against Louisville, yeah. right? Yeah. So you think about his and, um, you know, Dre missing, you know, the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah. Year. <laughs> yeah. That's a big those one. Seemed, yeah, those two, like, seemed terrible. But you also, you know, leading into that other question, what happens if Dre gets doesn't get injured? He probably don't use use lose the UMBC. I don't know if that team makes a national title. You know, makes it to the wins the championship, but they probably make a decent run. Um, and then Dre probably goes pro. So, like, ultimately, Malcolm's injury and Dre's injury helped the following. You know, helped later Virginia squads. So, I, you know, that's kind of what I take away from it. What about you, Ferber? If if Malcolm doesn't break his foot, or excuse me, I guess it's not. Te- he didn't technically break it, right? Like he he. It's not like he he fell and broke it. It was like a it was like a medical condition. Yeah, I think it was like flat feet, right? I mean, yeah, because like, like at one point there was some there was some fear that he might not play again. Like that was yeah, a legit thing at one point. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people know that, um, or I, they probably forgot. But I remember that year that he was out. People were like, I don't know if he's going to be coming back. Like you know, like that was a t- thing that was being said. Um, yeah, I don't remember him actually like getting hurt. Um, but I do remember, you know, he was kind of like lost for the rest of that season. But yeah, I mean, you forget as a freshman, he was, he played um, and he showed flashes, but he wasn't nearly what he ended up being, which is true, as Davis pointed out a lot of times, of almost every player that's come through under Tony Bennett, right? I mean, you see the flashes their first year, but very rarely do guys just come in and blow up. Um, I mean, Kyle Guy, even like I remember his freshman year, he was starting and playing a lot and they needed him because he could shoot, but. You know, he wasn't where he needed to be on the defensive end, and, and he just had a lot of room to grow, and eventually he got a lot better. Um, I think I think Dave's right. I think if, if Malcolm hadn't gotten hurt, um, I, I'm sure he still would have been good. But I, I think that it kind of did help that he was such a mature player by the end of his career. Um, and he gave you three really good years after he got back from the injury. I mean, that year that he missed, I think, was the NIT season. Um I think if he's healthy that year, they probably make the tournament. I, I can't imagine they would be like their ceiling would be like way, way higher. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it, it kind of worked out for him almost that that he was able to come back because obviously it hasn't really limited him since. Um, with the with the Justin Anderson one, I mean, the the thumb or the finger didn't really hurt UVA very much because um, I mean, I guess you could say in the tournament it did if if you want to make the case that his shooting wasn't where it needed to be, which. Right. You could, right? Um, but they, I think they only lost one game without him. 
um, which was the regular season finale against Louisville. I guess, I mean, I think, I don't remember if he played in the ACC tournament. I know they lost the semis to North Carolina. Um, he didn't really seem like himself when he came back. Uh, the, the appendectomy thing, that's what, yeah, that's right. Because that would happen like at the very end of the regular season, right? And he was able to kind of make a pretty quick recovery. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it's tough because I don't know if that UVA team had as high of a ceiling as, as like, some of the other ones. Um, and maybe that's just because he got hurt. But, I mean, uh, yeah, they, they were already, like, a 28-win team or whatever, even with him getting hurt. So, I mean, I think that maybe you win a couple more games. I, the only thing that I could think being different is, you know, maybe you win a couple more tournament games. Um but yeah, I mean, I'd have to go back and look and see like how much worse they were after he got hurt because I don't really remember, to be honest with you, like how big the drop off was. But they kept winning. For me, as I think back on you know the various injuries that are that are mentioned here, um, I think the AG one is the one. I mean, like we can talk about you know Justin and and you know everybody for a while there the appendectomies and stuff. And I know for a lot of people, you know, J.R. Reynolds in two thousand seven was a big deal. But AGs to me, um, you know, we—I don't know how different things go for them, right? If he doesn't roll his ankle that year, but it just—it it did feel like things changed when he got hurt, and because of when and everything, um, that one's tough. The Dre one is probably the one that I will spend the most time thinking about because it leads directly into the the next question, which I'm going to ask, which is one I figure we'll discuss for a little while, um, but. Dre getting hurt when he got hurt and the fact that he he still played, you know, the next game and they win the ACC championship game, um, ACC tournament championship game, rather that that and then those next few days where it was like, you know, you you, you get a text message and it's like, hey, I heard I heard Dre might have broken his wrist. And you're just like, wait, what? And you start asking around and you can't find anybody to confirm it. But there's like enough out there that something is up, right? And then you and then you realize that like the people who normally confirm or deny stuff are not saying a word. And that's that's usually a bad sign when it's something this important, you know? Um for me, I, I think him being hurt in that game, um and then playing is remains one of the like more impressive things that nobody talks about, right? Is that he he breaks his wrist against Clemson, he comes out and I, f- I feel like he was like eleven of twelve or something from the free throw line. Uh, against Carolina that championship game, I just thought that not having him before we even think about what happened in that first game, but just not having him was such a dramatic shift for them in the sense that like they had kind of finally figured it out, right? And 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 it looked like that thing was humming. Um, taking him off the floor and then asking them to sort of reinvent themselves, for lack of a better description, so quickly. I, I don't think you can really have the UMBC conversation without having the one about Dre. And so you could make an argument that if Dre doesn't break his wrist, you could clearly you could say like, oh, Virginia would have won a championship. Well, that's really hard to prove considering. Right. But an argument could be made that they probably wouldn't have lost UMBC. And if they don't lose the UMBC, what does that mean for the next year? And that's that leads us into our next question uh, from. Well, also, just real quick on the rest of that tournament, their path would have been like stupid easy. To right. get to the final four, for I mean, for, as far as NCAA as, tournament right, paths right, can go, right, right. it would have been Kansas State, I believe, and then Loyola or something, because right. like Loyola made it to the Elite Eight. Um, or, yeah, they went to the final four. They won that region. Um, so I mean, they wouldn't have played like anybody good, I don't think, <laughs> until 
you know, the I think they played Loyola played Michigan, I think in the in the final four. So I mean like UVA could have made a really deep run if if he was healthy, I guess. Um so let's get to the next question. Uh, Kyle Barnes, who um Emporia represent. Uh, what if UMBC what if the UMBC loss never happens? Uh, do you think the team would have responded to the March Madness adversity the same way they did the following season? So I guess to have a conversation about this, we sort of need to have some parameters, right? Like we need to sort of set the table a little bit in terms of what we're actually talking about. Um, I think that if the UMBC loss doesn't happen, are we are we saying they would have won a championship? And like to Ferber's point just now, it, it's pretty clear that they, they had a track, right? They were, the path was there. Um, but the question he also asked is um, the, the following season. So let's assume they don't usually lose to UMBC, but they lose in the Sweet 16, right? How would that have changed the trajectory? Because it seemed like the UMBC piece of the puzzle, um, at least after the fact, was a considerable part of the story, in essence, because it had to be, right? Like, how are you not going to talk about it? Um, that team was going to be good. I don't think there's any stretch. I, I don't think that that's crazy, right? Um, the question is, was it NCAA championship good without the piece that maybe focused them? Um, Ferber, let's go back to you. If they don't lose to UMBC, and let's assume they lost in the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight, um, and it's just a regular old run-of-the-mill loss, nothing dramatic, no last-second shot, none of that nonsense, what happens the next year in your mind? Like, in your head canon, what happens the next year? <laughs> I mean, it's really hard to say with, like, any degree of certainty. I, I think the UMBC loss probably didn't hurt them the next year. You know, like, obviously that's something that, can make you it cuts both ways because on the one side you can say like hey we've seen the bottom like we we don't fear that anymore we've been there but at the same time it's also in the back of your mind like we could lose to anyone like that has to kind of shake you a little bit um clearly it didn't really affect them in a negative way uh but i honestly think if they had lost in the sweet 16 they still would have been the same team in you know 2019 i think i can't imagine that it would have had that big of an impact on. i can't imagine they would have gone into the year like so much less determined bringing back almost everyone or pretty much everybody that played on the 2019 team played in 2018 except for Kihei Clark um, and Braxton Key I think they would have been maybe not quite as like determined to prove anything but I mean they still would have I mean everybody wants to win like um, I I think they still would have been really good it's kind of hard to prove otherwise I guess but you also there's also other permutations of this thing like maybe what if UVA plays really well against UMBC and uh, Kansas State and whoever they lose to or whatever and DeAndre Hunter like blows up and then goes pro like right. then you know it could change everything exactly right? so, that's I mean, actually it, that's kind of where I was going to go with it when you when you were done I was going to say like there's there's also the flip side right we we always think about these things in a positive sense right like what if not only you know the loss in a, in some ways. Look, there was the mental health aspect of it, right? There was the the way that the, um, you know, that loss galvanized them. And then, too, there's the fact that, like, if they win and Dre blows up, he might go pro, right? Um, in, in this I mean, scenario, it's kind of like, like if, if UVA hadn't won the title in 2019 and then, like, let's say there was no COVID and they won this year, right? And we were like, because they brought up, like, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy came back or something, right? Because we could look back and be like, well, if UVA had won in 2019, then Kyle Guy might have gone pro. And that seems dumb, but it's like it's, it happened, right? I mean, like, I'm not saying the Kyle Guy went pro because of what he did in the tournament, but I don't think it hurt. Like, right. That's true. So so that changes. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, if, if UVA makes an Elite Eight run or something in 2018 with a healthy DeAndre, maybe 
his stock was already rising really fast at the end of that season. So, I mean, maybe because I remember there was some buzz about him going pro that year, and he decided pretty quickly to come back. Yeah. Um, but I mean, maybe things change, you know. So. Well, then, the, then my question yeah. is, let's, Dave, and I'm going to throw it to you on this. Mm-hmm. In in a scenario we're talking about here, Dre play is is healthy. And there is no broken wrist. Um, you know, the Thomas kid doesn't doesn't shove him to the ground and he breaks his wrist. Um, he plays. He he's good. But is in a scenario where he's hurt and they and they still but they manage to beat UMBC, right? So there yeah. therefore you don't have the loss, but you also don't need to necessarily worry as much about Dre going pro. I do think that changes the calculus a little bit because I think that he was instrumental for that specific team given the pieces and the way they fit together. Um, we, we probably should tie in the Braxton Key waiver, which is a question also on our list um, that we got asked about. Um, Dan Buckman want to know if, if he was what if what happens if Braxton was forced to sit a year. But for me, Dave, like I, I, I just can't imagine a scenario where – Virginia loses to somebody else, and the next season is as, um, like, at the end of the year. I, I just felt like there's just a level of trust and belief in each other that they probably don't have if they don't go through that UMBC experience. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't. Maybe if they squeak by UMBC, you know, let, let's assume DeAndre's still hurt, and this maybe if that team they somehow come back and manage to squeak by UMBC, and then lose the next game to Kansas State pretty bad. Maybe they still have the same anger because you're talking Tony not getting out of the first weekend. You know, at that point, the idea of losing to a 16 didn't really exist. You know, they, they made that a thing, right? Um, so even losing to a you know eight or nine seed, I think, you know, I can't remember which one Kansas State was. But if they had turned around and, you know, barely beat UMBC and then lost to Kansas State, I don't know if it would have changed the narrative that greatly. Because people were pretty hard on Tony for not making the Final Four as a one seed. Um, when he lost to a 16, it just gave him all, all the red meat in the world, right? So I think maybe then you, you still got some of the same same desire. You know, maybe the te- the guys are just as mad. But you do have the flip side where you know because it was such a kind of ended up being a you know no games easy in NCAA tournament, but that ended up being an, a relatively low seeded path to the Final Four. Um, with or without DeAndre, if, if they make a run to the Final Four, you know, who knows, maybe Todd blows up during that. Um, I'm trying to – when did Braxton Key commit? Did he commit before the tournament, or was that an off-season acquisition? Oh, man, that's a good question. What was the question? Why did when you did ask Braxton question Key come on board? Because it just kind of hit me while I'm in the middle of the discussion. Um, here, keep, keep, keep going. I'll look at it. When did who yeah. come on board? He Braxton wants to know when, when Braxton Key uh, committed. After that, after yeah, it was after UMBC. So I mean, because Alabama, Alabama was in the second round of the tournament that year. Yeah, yeah. So maybe Tony doesn't go looking for. Maybe when DeAndre gets hurt, they realize we got to have a couple dudes that can do that to make a run. So maybe they don't go after Braxton. Um, So I mean, there's maybe Alabama makes a deeper run because I don't know. So many, so many permutations. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like. It's like a butterfly effect sort of deal. It you is. Never, but I think with I think the idea of the question is like, do you think it would have dramatically changed where we are now? Right. Like it could. Yeah, I mean, when, when you're talking about being at the pinnacle of the sport, you know, something we we've said multiple multiple times. I mean, in the last it, podcast. And let's be honest, like in the 2019 run, like if you go back and watch those games, if you 
individual dribbles of the basketball were different, they wouldn't have won the national championship. Like, yeah, if, if a finger hadn't stayed on a basketball for two extra milliseconds. I mean, if Braxton, this, this doesn't get talked about, but if Braxton Key missed times that jump on the last yeah. play by Culver, he fouls him. Like, yeah, he just timed it perfectly. So, I mean, like, even those sorts of plays could have gone. The the Davide Moretti thing where he had his finger on the ball, right? I mean, like, all of that stuff um, is different, right? So, yeah, yeah it's, it's just God hard flops. to say. If Cal got flops on that contact with Auburn and really trying to sell it, he might not get that call. Yeah, but right. because he tried to, you know, because he tried to come down, it made it obvious he couldn't. Um, so yeah, I mean, so many weird things. So but I believe Braxton like, was like a summer. He was like a summer edition. Um, yeah, and, uh, and then he got the waiver. Obviously, that was like a big thing. You yeah, know, waiting to see if he was going to get that. And I remember us having that conversation. I getting to that question on the podcast because we were kind of debating, like, is it worth it for him to get the waiver because DeAndre's back um, or sit? And I was very pro-play because I was like, this could be their chance right. with this team. Right. I'd rather have a stacked 2019 team and have not, no Braxton for 2021 than the opposite, if that's the difference. And it turned out that was – I mean, I, I don't think they win a national title without him. Um, no, no, they don't. Particularly that game. Um, he was so good in that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, and to be honest with you, nothing against Braxton, but a lot of people thought he was going to come in and be like a star, and he never really was that. Um, so it's not like he would be carrying the 2021 team. I mean, based on what we saw, unless you guys think differently, um, they he would be a very very good piece on a team, but yeah. not like somebody that's going to like they're not running the offense through him. And you're potentially trading him for Sam Hauser, right? Right, yeah, Love exactly. Because I don't, I don't know if Sam Hauser comes if Braxton Key is coming back the following. Yeah, yeah maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. So. Um, Braxton Y'all stop decided. Messing with Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you watch Back to the Future? <laughs> um, but no, Braxton decided in April, right? So it was after the UMBC loss, uh, obviously. Um, I still think yeah, because I mean he was like, play, he was playing the day yeah. after the UMBC loss for Alabama. Yeah. So. Um, after they beat I, Virginia I, Tech in the first this round. Is, this kind of exemplifies the slippery slope, right? So that we have a we got a bunch of questions about coaches, right? RMJ want to know what if they hire Tubby Smith? Um, They'd be worse a, off. We, <laughs> we had a Dave question. Odom question about replacing Terry Holland. Uh, Daryl want to know what if Rick Barnes had not buy, backed out of coming to UVA. You know, we talked at length uh, at parts of that Ronald Curry that Ronald Curry podcast in a previous show, right? About what. Um, you know, what if Jeff Jones had gotten fired, right? What if that had been in a different spot? And what's funny about all that is that it really does exemplify and really underscore sort of the problem that you have when something good happened is that you just don't want to undo it. Um, there's a there's a very clear um, uh, Avengers reference here that I'm not going to make. One, because spoilers. And two, because I feel like it's just, it's just nerdy enough that I can't do that on my non-nerd podcast. But, like, you can't... Sometimes you... You can think about what if, like you could say, like, all right, well, if Dave Odom had replaced Terry Holland, um, Virginia probably ends up, you know, having a pretty good, um, you know, run of what fifteen years or so. Probably would have been pretty solid. You might not have also, ever had to worry gotten, about. They might have gotten Tim Duncan, <laughs> right? Well, there's that, right? Yeah. Um, you probably don't end up with Dave Lados uh, slamming his foot on the sidelines and stuff, um, cursing out half the the front, you know, five rows. The Pete um, Gillen era probably never happens. Yeah, so I mean, it does. It, Odom that's probably doesn't it, retire until like the mid two thousands or whatever. Right. It it really undoes a lot of the thing, right? Um, and then in a way, you you kind of look at what happened to Wake, and I'm not going to say that Virginia would have been Wake, 
But you kind of have to ask the question of like, could like, would the parallels have been there, right? Like what, like after Dave decides to retire, what happens to the job and who gets it and you know, da 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 da. Um, I think the Jeff Jones thing is fascinating because of the Ronald Curry piece, and because you know clearly, you know, in his um, you know his career after UVA, he's done a pretty good job. Um, you know, he's done a pretty solid job of getting his teams ready and winning some games and. You know, that's one that, for me, is tough. Um, I mean, I was a kid going to Jeff Jones basketball camp, man. Like, Yeah, do you um, guys, like, I mean, I don't really remember a ton about the Jeff Jones era. I mean, I, I remember watching some of the games at the end there. But and now is when we you turn guys, to Dave. <laughs> do you guys think that he was a good coach? Because it yeah, seems like a lot of people was. really like him. And, I, I mean, the record isn't too bad. He went to the Elite Eight. But he had that one, like, really yeah. bad year at the end. Yeah. So how do you look back on that era? Like, was that like a he just didn't have the pieces, or was it like he was just average? No, he had some good. He had some really good pieces. I think he just had some bad roster management toward the end. And was it Melvin Whitaker? They got into the legal trouble. That was going to be a big addition um, to the team. uh, You know, if he if he committed. So like Jeff, Jeff followed Terry. And Terry was Ralph, and Terry was Virginia basketball, and he didn't have the personality of Terry. So it, it's kind of like that following a legend thing. You know, it's like anyone who followed George Welsh or anyone that followed right, Frank Beamer right. at Tech. You're going to have to be more than good. you, you got to be extra good, you know. Um, and he had some really good teams. I mean, they they were kind of known for their defense, and when, when he started losing some of his offensive pieces, they became what, you know, that was some bad basketball because it was low scoring games because their defense was so good, but their offense was just missing shots quickly. You know, it was just inefficient, bad offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, he had, I'm trying to think like he got fired in 98, that 98 team would have been Curtis. Yeah. Curtis Stable's senior year was Jones last year. Um, Mike Curtis was on that team. Uh, Colin Ducharme. I don't know if y'all remember his name. Yeah. Donald hands freshman year. Um, that team was that team was a wreck, um, and they kind of lo- I think they lost like ten or eleven games down the stretch, um, ten of eleven. So it was yeah. I mean their ugly. record was like atrocious. Yeah, but the team before yeah had Harold Dean, Curtis Staples, uh, missing another guard he had on that team that was really good. So I mean he had some good pieces, um, and he beat some really good teams in the mid nineties. You know, it just yeah some off the court stuff obviously, and then you know. And some of the old, older heads than me that can remember it better, I'm pretty sure there was, you know, the guy's name was Melvin Whitaker, and there was an incident. Um, yeah, it was a, the, the box cutter or something like box that. Box cutter, yeah. And um, he was a very big player. And, um, yeah, I, I just think it just – it was a, a number of things, and then the uh, the ultimate reason he resigned. And plus, remember, you know, he, he lost Ronald Curry. At the end. You know, we, we, well, also, we I mean, like the Ronald way Curry. that – the way that I, I don't remember like the TikTok of it or anything, but the way that it's always been kind of like described to me or the way I understood it was like he did a pretty good job for a while, but like people were ready for something different. Like, like not the fans necessarily, but like it was time, like they didn't necessarily no. need to fire him yeah. when they did, but it was like because a lot of people were like very pro Jeff Jones. I think he played there, you know, whatever. Um, I think they were like Pete Gillen's a good coach. Like, if we can get him, let's just switch him out, like that kind yeah. of thing. Um, well, here's my thing though, dude, like, okay. So, so <laughs> what if they, what if they hired Dave Odom? Right. Do I, I mean, Jason Williford is, is a good friend of mine. Like, would I know Jason Williford? 
Like, this is one of those things, like, if I had gotten two more things right on the SAT, what college would I have gone to? Like, this is some, you know, you can get really in the weeds on something like this. But, like, think about it. Think about those Jeff Jones guys and how integral that we think of them as part of the university story, right, of, of that program, right? Um, there, it's, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to give up what you, what you live through um, when, you, when you're not focusing on what you missed. And in this situation, you know, even if the even if the Leto era wasn't very good, all of the steps that they went along this path led them to where they eventually have become. I mean, as as we sit here tonight on a Wednesday, um, Rivals ran a story today that was basically um, here's the here's the must get player that all of these national powerhouses should have to get right. They're must gets. And UVA was in there. And it was one of those, like, I saw the thing come across the ticker. And I was like, I'm going to put it on the, on the site or whatever. And then I th- you just got, there are still those moments where I'm like, man, UVA is a national powerhouse. Like, a national program. Um, that's not something I would, you know, you'd gone back when I was at Jeff Jones basketball camp that day. I probably wouldn't have thought that, like, you know, they're coming off of a championship and such and such and such. Like, it's hard not to, it's hard not to focus on the experiences of the program that they've had um, and just, you know, it's hard not, it's hard to toss that stuff off to the side for the possible what ifs, right? Like in a situation where Dave Odom's a coach, maybe he gets Ronald Curry, right? Maybe Dave does get Ronald Curry. Um, I don't know where Curry was or where Tim Duncan was in the years and such, but like maybe they do end up with Tim Duncan at UVA, right? Um, there's a lot there. Um, and that's a really fun what if, but eventually you're going to have to get to the same place, which is like, but you still kind of wanted Tony Bennett to come and you still kind of wanted Tony Bennett to be the coach when they had Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome and DeAndre, you know what I mean? Like that kind of, that kind of TikTok of it, you, you still want to, um, you want to have happen. Um, which is the problem with basketball what ifs in general, which is what David, right. I think brought up the first time we did this was yeah. like, I mean, most of them you're just going to be getting your tr- the trade is going to be to your detriment. <laughs> like right, it's not like football where you can say like, oh well, if this had happened, well then you know all these good things would have come. The out only the only case you could make is if you think like, hey, maybe they could have won another national title in the run of the Bennett era, right? Like yeah, I if mean, you I, said like, hey, I what if only- the Tevin Jones thing did, and then they won the national championship, or like, what if uh, DeAndre didn't get hurt and they win back to back, like you know, or something like that. But I mean, even that. I mean, we know how hard it is to win six games. You can't just like assume that that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah, I think the only reason the Jeff Jones question is kind of weird to me is because it's not like they once um, Jeff Jones was gone, um, the team like Virginia basketball was terrible. Like Pete Gillen came in and they won some games. Like they got exciting, you know, because they were scoring 100 points a game and running the ball, you know, pressing all day. Those teams are always like they were not great, and they—I mean—he didn't even make the tournament, like, but once I think. Yeah. But back then, it felt like it was harder to make it. Um, I mean, they certainly weren't as good as these Tony Bennett teams, but they were like competitive. Yeah, I mean, there was a year they beat three top ten teams within like three weeks. You know, it it Um, felt like it was like worst case scenario they're going to the NIT. Yeah. Yeah, it's just you know, Pete, Pete, you know what. You have to remember, as much as a kind of a character as Pete became by the end of his career, like people loved him at first because he was so energetic and always out there, just fun to hear talk. And Virginia fans liked the fact that a lot of the media guys liked Pete, so he was a good interview. So Virginia got a lot of pub with him being the coach, and it was a lot of excitement. And then it just kind of, yeah, I think majestic, majestic map was a question in there, like. You know, majestic map was supposed to be. You know, it looked like he was going to be a great point guard, and um, 
I don't know that it ultimately makes Virginia like a national contender with Pete because they were just too many. He was trying to out Duke Duke, you know, and out Carolina Carolina by just. Yeah, we've yeah, seen I mean, we've seen so many coaches come into the ACC and just try to do it better with better pieces. You, you, exactly. Yeah. I, I think what UVA was then is basically like uh, what's it get like Clemson now, like <laughs> something like that, where it's like they just try to play like regular basketball and like hope for the best. And sometimes it works, but it usually doesn't work out that great. Like, you know, it's yeah. it's fine. Like you'll win some games, you're gonna lose some games. You're probably not gonna win that many games. <laughs> like, um. But it felt like they had good players. It was like, you know, like you mentioned Majestic Map. Obviously, his career kind of went off the rails. Um, I remember when they got Gary Forbes. I was like, that guy can play. Like, he's from New York. Um, Derek Byers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just remember being like, wow, that guy's pretty good for UVA to get. Like, I mean, there were some, like, decent pl- – Derek Byers obviously transferred. Um, but, I mean, like, there were a bunch of other guys. And yeah, then the guys I mean, he inherited played pretty well for him early on. Like, yeah. Chris, Chris Williams, Williams and Adam Hall, Adam Hall and all those guys. Yeah, and you got Donald Hand for three years. Um, I mean, he definitely had some players. It just, you know, he had some injury issues, and they just, you just can't out blue blood the blue bloods. And that kind of, I was going to tie that into the Tubby Smith question if we got to it. Like, I feel like if Tubby Smith had been hired, that's what you would have seen a a uptick in Virginia recruiting for a little while, but they were never going to out Duke Duke or out Carolina Carolina. Um, So, yeah, that's a, a, a lucky thing that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you think about, yeah, exactly. I think you're exactly right. I think Rick Barnes is like a slightly better version of that. Like, I know that he was mentioned too. I think Rick Barnes is a pretty good coach. Like, yeah. Um, I would prefer him to Tubby Smith if I had to choose. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I think they would have recruited better, but not good enough to. Honestly, that comparison for me is easy. It's NC State. It's like Kevin Keats is a pretty good coach, but it seems like their plan is like, we're just going to try to get good players in and think that that's going to be good enough, but they're not getting the types of players that Duke and Carolina get. So it's like a watered down version of the same thing. Like, and I think that at least with Louisville, like they have some different schemes and things where I think it could work. Like oh, they got the some way. schemes. Yeah. Oh yeah. They, they have other schemes too. Yeah. Um, and they yeah, still you were talking about replacing a legend Duke, Duke. and I thought you were going to make a coach K joke, but um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, they they got some on the court and off the court schemes. But I, yeah, I feel like you can win some games, but there's a ceiling on it because until those other teams go away, and then you have UVA to deal with, uh, which is like a whole other thing now. So I mean, I feel like it's just hard for teams to just kind of like play a very generic sort of style and think it's going to be enough. So let's see, where are we? Let's see. Um, let's go through. All I thought you had left and going to do your nerd no, podcast or something. No, no, no. I mean, I don't think. Uh, no, I don't think. Uh, I don't think I'd be nearly as um, as boring on a nerd podcast. All right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Um, we've worked through the injuries and the coaching stuff. Let's go through the um, the the hodgepodge we've got here. All right. Uh, our buddy Will wanted to know what if the Michigan State and UVA game in two thousand one wasn't played on top of an ice rink, and I think Will gets the award for like the 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 most interesting random question of the group um, because like, I remember that game, the, I know the score all by heart. UVA was up 31, 28. I'm almost positive. I was there. Like, I don't know why I don't know if I was there, but I'm almost positive. I was there. Um, it was I'm at almost, the Richmond Coliseum. Yeah, Cause right? it was at the Coliseum. Yeah. yeah. I'm almost Over positive. The renegades that, like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember watching it on TV and being like, UVA is going to win this game. Cause Michigan State, I think that was like the year or maybe two years after they won a national championship. Yeah. Um, 
And I was like, UVA might win this game. Why were they playing it in Richmond anyway? Um, well, it was one of those things that like has never happened <laughs> since. I think that was the end of it. Other than I guess though they played in Richmond again when they did the, the when the I forget which governor was governor at the time, but they did that. That was uh, classic what's his or whatever. Name? The guy that the guy that almost went to jail or did go to jail. Oh, uh, McConnell. Bob McDonald. Bob McDonald. McConnell. Wow, I was a poli sci major. That was like, yeah, that was like not even that long ago. What the hell's wrong with us? (laughs) Bob McDonald. Yeah, Um, I got him confused with uh, Mitch McConnell. Anyway, meanwhile, back at the actual show. Remember what the teams are ranked in that game? No, why don't you tell us, Dave? Number nine, Virginia. (laughs) Number twenty-two, Michigan State. I've just looked it up. That's amazing. Yeah, that's crazy. UVA was up thirty-one twenty-eight with fifteen oh four to play. Travis Watson fell hard to the court. Oh my gosh, Travis Watt. Can we talk about can we just talk about real quick? Um if uh, the N one uniforms. Yeah, the N one uniforms were a disgrace. Oh, but we should have we should have a show soon. I mean we're we're in June. Listen, I gotta be honest, we're doing pretty good. We're we're doing pretty good, right? We're in June. Um we have not we have not had to do one of those like let's let's just talk about our five favorite players kind of shows. But I kinda wanna have five play, favorite players kind of show because I feel like um like I need to, I need to just like go on a rant about how incredible Travis Watson was. I was gonna say you can't. The rule is you can't take anyone that's in the NFL or went to the NFL or the NBA and has to well, be just like fun. random guys, like Kane and um, Severin. Yeah. No offense, Kane and Severin. Wow, it was kind of yeah, he. Kinda I mean, he did have a cup of coffee with the Steelers, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I got you. I, I forgot Virginia. Not to get off your Travis Watson topic because I just not to get the off, ACC off network the, just... off topic and get back on the on topic. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go off off on topic to get. ATC Network last Saturday uploaded the Carolina UVA game from Pete Gillen's year of 2001, I believe it was, where yeah, and Travis Watson just beasted that game. So if, if I watched it last week, it was pretty. I mean, I love me some painful Watson, to watch, dude. but you know, uh, Travis was a beast. He was. I forgot he was actually. I was reading the article about the game being shut down that night by Hank Kurtz. Um, <laughs> Virginia had scored 12 straight points to take the lead when the game was called. I forgot that. Uh, me too. That's crazy. Can you Dr. imagine Mason the scenario was like, now? Yeah, we needed to call this game. I was just like looking at some quotes. <laughs> he was like, I can't cut on the court. And the yeah. coaches were like, yeah, we should probably stop playing. Can you imagine a scenario uh, where they just like stop playing and don't play anymore? Um, maybe yeah, maybe not if weird. it was a game, but what if it was like the season? Like what if the yeah. season just stopped? Right. Like, Impossible. And, you know, it would never happen. Um, all right. So what if uh, we, we answered Dan's question about Braxton being forced to sit a year? What if Mike Scott had never been grant was not granted the fifth year? What if um, what if Mike Scott's career ended without that <laughs> incredible senior year? Um, Dave wouldn't be blocked on Twitter. Aren't you still blocked? Yeah, You're still blocked you stole right? my answer. You stole my answer. <laughs> I wouldn't be blocked for trying to defend him when he wasn't getting get any ACC player of the year love. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, he was really good that senior year. I mean, it helped him really more than it helped UVA because he got drafted and is still in the league. Um, I mean, maybe he still maybe catches on somewhere if he went pro the year before, but I doubt it. And there was a Carolina beat writer who got, like, his moment of fame in Virginia. What was it Carlton, Carlton Tudor, Tudor or yeah. yeah. He passed away a couple years ago. Yeah, that was – I believe it was him I was replying to that got me blocked by Mike Scott. 
Oh. So you were trying to you were trying to defend Mike and and get caught up. That was the uh, that was the yeah. early days of UVA basketball vitriol Twitter. Um, oh yeah, that, before that, it got, that, before I, it got I'm really bad. I am convinced that that entire thing with him and ACC Player of the Year set the stage for everything that came after it. Right. Well, in fairness, it wasn't ACC Player of the Year that got Carlton Tudor called out by all the fans. It was that he wasn't on was, the first oh, team. Yeah, that's right. For, but but yeah. because like, like the, that the entire of the year thing was a debate. Like it wasn't like he was clearly going to win. He didn't win. Tyler Zeller won. Um, and that's like if you want to make a case for Tyler Zeller, like that's fine. Like I mean, a lot of people did, and people weren't really arguing that. I mean, people were arguing it, but not like to that level. But I think he like left him off the first team for like some random North Carolina player or something, and people were like freaking out about it. Oh. Good old, but yeah, uh, those are the early days when people were starting yep. to freak out. Yeah, that was fun. All right, um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Timothy Malloy just asked, "What if Ronald Curry?" Which I thought was fun. Um, let's see. All right, there are a couple of questions here at the end that I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on before we end the show with basically the last question. Um, there was one about Lavelle Blanchard and and Michigan or UVA, um, which I. I I thought I I don't want to dive into because I don't I, I don't know how how to really answer it per se but I just enjoyed the poll because I thought it was a it was a great poll. Uh, Aaron wanted to know what if the collapse against collapse against Cuse had not happened in 2016. Um, he also asked a couple of other questions about other you know things that what if they had not happened. But the one against Syracuse has always been the one at least even sometimes you know talking to people after UMBC that that was the one that was harder i think dave maybe even you had said for you in yes. some ways that one was harder because the final four was I, literally like too, yeah oh it was yeah. both of you okay my bad um that one hurt more like i can't imagine that you're both that wrong i just i just don't understand <laughs> um but but like that one i mean you could make an argument that that was a bigger you know situation or bigger you know gut punch than what happened uh, against UMBC? It, it, at least in the sense of like, it was right you can there because it's correct. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, get in, get in Dave's mentions. Send Dave the email. Okay, but seriously, like, I mean, it is... would be like if it would be like getting the, in Lord of the Rings, the entire trilogy, getting up to the Mordor, and then they just get like tackled off the mountain. Like yeah, we're on the nerd one, podcast now. One <laughs> right. spoiler alert for Lord of the Rings from like, I don't even whatever. yeah I don't even know if that was correct by the way. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you just made that up. Also, but you know what I mean. Like it, the UMBC email. one was just a flat out disaster from like the start. It was just like yeah. well, and also it was a history thing where it's like as bad as I felt about it, I was like, well, it finally happened. Like it, there was a little bit of that, and I was like, of course, you know, it's us. <laughs> like we're the ones that yeah. have to deal with this shit. And UMBC wouldn't have hurt as much if you had gone to the Final Four three years before. Right. Exactly. Oh, yes. oh, to the contrary, my friend. <laughs> no, I don't care. Now, here's a good here's a good here's a good tangent, right? In this scenario, let's say UVA beat Syracuse, they go to the Final Four. Now, I don't think we can say with any degree of, you know, like it's not a I don't know how sound the argument is that they would like win, right? They would have played North Carolina in the Final Four, who they split with. They right. beat them in the regular season and lost to them in D.C. And then if they won that, they would have played Villanova, who they had already beaten. So theoretically, they would have had to beat a team. They would have had to basically win two games against two teams that they'd already beat, which is kind of difficult, right. but makes you think it could happen. All right. Let's but just two very, get, very good teams. Let's assume they yeah. get to the Final Four and they lose, either in the Final Four itself or in the championship game, right? You could make an argument that 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 would have changed someone somewhat of the trajectory. You probably could go back and look at like the TikTok of when they got who they got. There's probably some because there was definitely an air of Virginia can't get it done in March, 
right? Even before UMBC, right? UMBC oh, yeah. sort of cemented that until they basically exercised that demon the next year. So if they go and they make and they make that Final Four, I do think the narrative changes for them. Um, that doesn't mean that the that the team the next year or the year after wouldn't still be really good. It probably would have been. It you probably can make an argument it would have been better, and certainly the way Virginia was perceived would have been different. Um, and that's probably as concrete a thing as we can you know in these what if questions as we can hold on to. If that makes yep. any sense. That's yep. exactly what I was going to say. That's the only really difference if they win that game. Assuming that, like, let's say they lose to North Carolina in the Final Four, they are perceived differently, right? I mean, that because that was yeah, the thing. It's like, oh, you, that was the line that everybody drew in the sand. UVA fans and people outside the program was they need to get to a Final Four. For sure. And if they had done that, it's like, yeah, you can come back and say they, they need to win a national championship, but not very many programs do that. Like, not even the really good ones. Like, Michigan, Michigan's been to, what, two national championships in the last, like, decade? Yeah. They, they didn't win them. <laughs> like you know but nobody's saying like michigan's not a good enough program like so yeah i mean i think that it would have changed the perception for the next few years but i don't think it really would have changed those years it would have just there would have been just less crap to deal with on the internet yeah um all right so the last question we're going to handle here we're fi- we're 49 minutes and change in and i want to take you <laughs> i want to take you back uh in time a little bit um <laughs> it's kind of messed up that I'm dropping this uh, at the end of the show. Um, the date is, it's just around uh, New Year's in uh, in 2015. Um, UVA has just lost to Tennessee. Uh, Joe Harris has driven. 2014. 2014, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. 2014, Joe Harris has just driven to Tony's house uh, in his you know Ford Ranger. Uh, and the trajectory of UVA basketball has changed forever. What if Joe Harris doesn't make that drive to Tony Bennett's house? Is Virginia national champion today? That's the question. I'm, I'm, I am amending the question that we got several times over to basically say, I mean, listen, they were, they were nine and four when they left Tennessee that night. Uh, they finished the season, uh, 30 and seven, obviously it lost to Michigan state. Didn't um, you cover that game? Oh, I was there, bro. I was there. <laughs> Jeez. I, now that's my, a, that's my, one for listen, the books. Hold on, no, stop. In fairness to me, my cousin lives and goes was was at UT at the time. I've got an aunt and uncle who live in Knoxville. My mom uh, went. We drove. It was actually a it was a fun trip, right? Except for the you know the whole you know basketball game and you know abject disaster of it all. Um, but yeah, so if Virginia, if if Tony, if sorry, if Joe Harris doesn't drive to Tony's house that night, is Virginia national championship today? Yes or no? And then. Show your work. Who wants yes. to go first? No. <laughs> wow. Okay, here we go. All right. Ferber, you go first. Explain why yes. Uh, it's not that complicated. I think that the, the that stuff is the stuff of legend, but at the end of the day, Tony Bennett's the best probably X's and O's coach in the country. I think he would have figured it out. Okay. No well, disrespect to Joe Harris and his effort, but, I mean, I, I don't think that that one thing changed the course of history or anything like that. I think that's just the – you know why that's a thing? Because people, the commentators need stuff to talk about during games. And the coaches mentioned it once, and then they kept mentioning it, and they kept mentioning it, because it just kept becoming a, a thing. And Tony was trying to defer to Joe Harris as like, hey, he was the one who really got me to change, because that's how he is, right? Um, now, I mean, I can't say that that, you know. And then I know that Ty and him had some sort of talk after the UMBC game, but those things are important. It's good to be, you know, being a good communicator is so important. But I mean, like I said, I, 
they were struggling early in that season, but they had good players. Maybe they don't they were win. Sh- maybe yeah. they don't win the. Maybe they don't win as many games if this one trip to the house doesn't happen. But like, I can't imagine that Tony Bennett like learned how to coach offense because Joe Harris told him how. Like you know, like I just don't see it that way. Well, I'm saying they don't win it without this trip, just because everything it took everything had to be so perfect to win it as it was. Like you can't go changing something. Yeah, I guess you don't want to go changing anything. <laughs> but, it, but looking back at that team, like they were, like Brad said, they were nine and four after that loss. But they had only beaten Matt, James Madison, Davidson, Navy, Liberty, Hampton, SMU, Missouri State, Northern Iowa, Norfolk State. They had gotten run by. They lost, they lost to, to Green Bay, I believe. Wisconsin beat held them to thirty eight points in a ten point win. That's they one of the Green worst Bay basketball games I've ever seen. And then Tennessee, excellent, you know, went out and road stomped them. And then four days later, they go on the road to Florida State, and you know, that's the run. They lost two more games the rest of that season before the NCAA tournament, on the road at Duke and on the road at Maryland, won their first ACC title. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm just having fun with it, saying no, they don't win it without it. But you have to wonder, like, you know, that team made a dramatic turnaround. Maybe it's something as simple as Tony realizing, like, he's got the right guys now. Maybe he needs to start listening to his players a little bit. You know, because at that point, it was building culture. Um, not to make a football reference, but you know, with with Bronco and what he's doing, Joe having the whatever the having the cojones to go meet with his coach and his coach willing to take that meeting, maybe it's just signaled a chance for you know, Tony's like, okay, now they know what I'm teaching. Now I can give them a little bit more and trust them a little more. And whatever happened in that meeting, whether it was just him like saying, "Hey, we sucked. Let's get better." Like from that point forward. I don't have the record in front of me, but it was like three straight years where they lost like four, five or six games, and it was terrible. I mean, we used to refer to that – like they didn't lose a road game. Um, God, what was the record? I'm trying to pull the record while I'm talking. The record, is, there was some crazy kind of record. It is bizarre how they just flipped the game. switch. Like, yeah, the yeah switch because from that point on, flipped. they lost three more times the rest of the season. They lost to Duke. They lost to at Maryland in overtime at the in the regular season finale, and they lost to Michigan State. And that was it. They finished thirty and seven. They were nine and then they they lost three games the next year, and it was I believe twenty one and three the rest of the way. Yeah, they won, and then the next year they lost three, and it was like Louisville, Duke, and Carolina. They lost, I guess, four because Michigan State, right? Michigan State, right? Right. But I mean, like those aren't bad losses. (laughs) Sixteen was the was the off year. They Um, the where they went to the Elite Eight, (laughs) right? Seven, sorry, 17 was the off year where they lost. That's when they lost what? They lost like 11 games or 12 yeah. games. That year. They were yeah. 11 and 7 in the league, 23 yeah. and 11 overall. That's that Florida loss. But anyway, I do want to I do want to say this real quick though. I I don't think I don't think you can to Ferber's point. I don't know if you can just say that like oh this was a Tony thing. Um, I I think your your reasoning is sound. Like that is a very Tony thing to do is to like you know say it once. You know whether you necessarily meant it full throated or not, and then basically the narrative began. But I do think that that team. Uh, I remember Joe saying something to us about the trains being getting on yeah. getting on time, right? Like and after they had started winning again. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like one of the things you know, because I remember we talked a lot to him, you know, in those in those first few games after, because they came back and they beat Florida State. Well, he was saying Lake. that like their offense was like they were on train tracks, so right. like there wasn't a lot of like people doing stuff like willy nilly it was like people right, were but, like everybody was running like a clock like right what he what, I, no i think he meant it actually in reverse which is in before the before the and during the tennessee loss essentially they had given them more freedom 
right? And that then after it, they went back to more structure. And that and through the structure, they actually seemed to, to, to find more freedom in the sense because they understood where everything was supposed to be, right? So the trains were back on track, like they were on time. And instead of being unsure where dudes were going to be and unsure of who was, who was going to do what, once they went back to more blocker mover and they're back doing what they're supposed to, what they're, what they're comfortable doing, the, t- the, the talent seemed to fit that style more than it fit a little bit more open. Um, and frankly, if you think about sort of the seasons we've seen since then, you know, that's happened a couple other times and happened in reverse, right? Where, you know, the think about the Duke game where DeAndre just sort of takes over. They're just doing a lot more ball screen continuity stuff, right? Clear the middle third, let the Duke go to the rack. Like that team that lost to Tennessee, they got housed because they were not able to do that thing. That team needed the structure. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to at least give partial credit to Joe for doing that. I don't know if Tony would not have gotten to the same conclusion um, if Joe hadn't driven over there. I know in, in, in my head canon, right, the way I think of it is that there was also a team component and that Joe doing that sort of allowed people because that was a time frame if you remember like UVA just had a lot of years where like you just were never like there was no alpha dog right nobody just took over late right there was nobody who like wanted the ball there was a whole lot of like dudes and they still do this to some extent right they overshare um I, I think that bit of leadership seemed to resonate um now whether or not you know it was really all Joe's idea you know whether or not you know they get they get Florida State five days later would they have beaten them by 12 in, in Tallahassee, if Joe doesn't go to Tony's house, maybe. Um, I, you know, I think you, you can certainly make an argument that, um, that Tony is, is such a good coach that like, this was an obvious fix and they were going to get there regardless of whether or not Joe drove his, his pickup to Tony's house. But uh, it, the story certainly, it, it is in so many different ways. You know, um, it's the way we want to think of sports, right? Like this like fun you know, like whimsy, you know, like, oh, you know, Joe drove to Tony's house and they fixed the season, you know, but it, but you know, there's usually some truth in those fairy tales. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I definitely am glad he did because it, it made for, it made, it gives people a, a lot of, uh, um, a lot of things to talk about. Yeah. I just, I just remember while you're talking, like we always referred to that Tennessee game as some record happened after. And it was like four years after that game before Virginia lost the game by double digits again. That's what it was. And that was like, they, and when's the next time they lost I a non-conference road Jan- Yeah, it's been a while. Um, my quick survey says they didn't lose another game by oh, double George digits Washington. anywhere. Yeah. I think it was 2017 at Pitt in double overtime before they lost another yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, because I remember when they that year they lost to West Virginia at home earlier yeah. in that season. Yeah, and it was they lost by like eight or seven, and that they was the biggest to fifty-seven. Yeah, that was their biggest margin of like defeat since yeah. the Tennessee game, and it was single digits. Yeah, which is insane because like yes. te- even even good teams like you know. Um, like shit, like the Zion Williamson Duke team probably lost a game by double digits. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Guarantee it. Yeah, like I mean, it's that's so rare. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a but that's a fun one. That's a that's a fun one. So shout out to everybody who 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 submitted that question. Shout out to everybody who submitted any questions, both for this one and the football one. Um, these were a lot of fun, and uh, I'm I'm very glad that we got the chance to do it. Um. I don't know. Do you guys want to? I mean, 
Forever is working on a super secret project that I feel like we're going to have to talk about. It's not super secret. No, 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 no. Don't tell them. No, no, don't tell them. They don't need to know. No, no, we're going to roll that. We're going to roll that out super secret and then like blow their minds with how much you've worked on this thing. Um, Not to put any pressure on you. I'm just saying like, I think it's going to be great. Oh, it's going to be good. I think. I mean, although we haven't decided, are you going to round out your, your favorite games on Friday? You're going to do that? Is that, is that the plan? Yeah, I mean, we could always come back to him at a later date, you know? True. But, uh, I mean, I'm kind of running out of good ones. <laughs> For it was like, I'm running out of my favorite games, guys. When you see me um, run up like a basketball game that was like 52-49, you're going to know I'm out of ideas. This is this is probably not <laughs> something I should say out loud for the first time on the podcast as not to him. But I actually thought, I was like, Dave, what if we asked you to do your own favorite games? And I was like, Dave would send me 12,000 words on like <laughs> this random Saturday against Wake Forest. You know, like he'd be like, it was 1997. And, you know, Wake Forest yeah. is coming to town. Anthony um, Southern had two touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like Southern. that? That's a pull. That was, that's a pull right there. That's impressive. But seriously, though, you Dave, all the stories if, uh, about the most gut-wrenching losses in history of the no, Duke fandom. No, that, that, that would not. <laughs> that'll be our next. That'll be next. The next. The, that, the second wave of COVID will do uh, least favorite games. Yeah. <laughs> least favorite yeah. games. Dave, that would uh, pre pre championship. That actually would have gotten a lot of clicks. Like people would have really been oh. interested in that. But I don't think oh, we yeah. can go back to that now. Um, but seriously, yeah. though, yeah. I will as, throw as this a sporting goods shop are, owner who's finally got some people playing sports. I'm a little busy right now. Yeah, <laughs> so I was gonna say if you ever if you ever should not get busy again, you know, if you feel free, you want to you want to dive into your favorite games. Um, but anyway, so we got Ferber's got this big thing coming, and we're, it's going to be fun. And um, when he, I, I will say this publicly too, when he tossed me out the idea, I was like, oh my gosh, yes! Like, I'm not, I mean, I'm not really like too picky when it comes to Ferber's ideas and <laughs> stuff he wants to write. I don't about. get because a Ferber lot of nose. <laughs> no, you don't get a lot of nose. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's the right fit. This was like, please, like, yes, yes, please do that. That's amazing. Um, so he's worked hard on it, and. Um, Jesus, it's gonna be like how many did you say twelve did what did you say? How many content items was it gonna be? Was it gonna be like it was gonna be massive, I remember. It could be upwards of twenty. Twenty t- oh gosh. Oh. Um so yes, that's gonna be fun. Um let's see. If you are somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Sit Your Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your shows. And if you're so inclined, give us a rating or review. We very much appreciate that. Uh, if you're somebody who has found the pod but has not given us a look at the website yet, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Let's see. I had like this run of really random recruiting stories this week, um, which have just been kind of fun. So there's uh, Ezra Oyatade, um, who breaks this, this thing to me about how he's got horses and he's a part-time farrier and he likes roping. And I've never been um, more fascinated to find out how that is a thing. Um, of course, Bronco Mendenhall, if, as, as I told David Ferber, if, if, if Virginia somehow loses him, like that's just uh, that's just crazy to me. Um, so anyway, so he, he he gave me an update on his recruitment and where things stand. Uh, I also caught up with, um, let's see, there was a, I had a really long feature on Aiden Ryan, the three-star DB from Northern Virginia or Fredericksburg, if you want to be uh, specific, uh, who talked about you know picking UVA. Um, I also caught up with Saborn Campbell. Well, that's a fascinating story. So as the, at the time that Stanford is off, offering West Weeks the three-star linebacker commit, Virginia is trying to pull Stanford baseball commit Saborn Campbell, who they just offered last week, and he talked about just kind of an interesting situation, right, where he knows Virginia through the baseball program but needs to learn about their football side. Um, I also caught up with Christian Peterson uh, in a story that you'll have this week as well the um, tight end from California who's down to San Diego State, Virginia, and Louisville. Um, so um, he talks about virtual visits and stuff like that. Um, trying to think, anything else? Uh, let's see. If um, 
if you are, let's see, I want to, Ferber, what time frame, I feel like we should talk about the beginning of the season, right? And like what kind of time frame we seem to be on in terms of like finding out information. The mm-hmm. last time we talked about this, I feel like you had a, you had a very, like you, you didn't have like a drop dead date or anything like that. But I remember vaguely that you had some idea that you, you were like, we're going to find out in roughly X. Do you remember that? Or was that Dave? I'm, and I'm getting you guys confused. Cause I feel it like was we right around, it was that. right around this time. Um, okay. Because I mean, cause we've already, it's been a while since we had that conversation and what's changed since is now we know that like teams are coming back to campuses, which we did not know at that time. Right. Um, but yeah, I think there is. A, I mean, obviously, we saw the entire NCAA postseason canceled very, very quickly. Um, so things can always change back. But I figured, like, if we get to July, like late July, definitely into August, and they haven't canceled any games or like come up with some sort of like condensed schedule, then I think the plan is just to go with every game until, except for one, maybe one offs that can't be played. Um, or, you know, like if some, if there's like a big second wave, obviously they'd have to adjust. But, um, yeah, I think that I think the plan is just to kind of keep everything in place as far as like how many people can be there and all that stuff. That's going right. to be on a case by case basis, I think. Yeah, I think everything. Makes in t- in but Dave knows more about this stuff than I do. That's true. So. That's right. I should just defer to you, Dave. Dave, you are you are our COVID-19 correspondent. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think money outweighs numbers for a while. So you're going to get back to. It sounds like Bronco is going to let the team come back when the team's comfortable. Because um, I know like Miami and some other ACC schools are already back for voluntary workouts, which is, as we know, translates to, yeah, we expect Virginia you back Tech, if you want to Virginia play. Tech did workouts yesterday. Yeah, Tech's. Yeah. I think they only have like 30 players or something. But yeah, so it is I, pretty voluntary, I think. But I mean, I would like, be that's very probably surprised. just the early. Yeah, I would be very surprised if by the time we do another podcast, if they have not announced something. Um and whether that is that they're that the 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 reemergence of the program is is impending, or that it's a specific date, I I, I just have a feeling we're going to get something official here. Very yeah, soon. I mean, I feel like I feel like we're gonna we've got to because um, I mean the recommendation is for players traveling from out of state to quarantine for two weeks before engaging in team activities. You know, even with social distancing. So if you do the math, if if they're aiming for a six week preseason, and you want to have a few weeks to get prepared. You've only got a couple of weeks to get your guys, you know, a week or two to get your guys back. Yeah, because we're to what, having like two weeks, weeks to rest. away or something yeah. now. It's close. I think 90 days, right? From yeah, we're getting yeah, it's right up there. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I would say, um, and the NCAA has a plan, right? I mean, like, they're, they're, I don't think they've released yeah. it completely, but it's basically like a model that they're following. And again, like, you have to remember things can change. And I don't think you're ever going to get an announcement from like the NCAA or like the ACC or whatever, that's going to say, we're going to play all of our games because like why there's no reason for them to do that. Like they can just be like, we can, we're going to proceed until something happens and then we'll change. Right. Um, I might finally get, there's always a chance that there is a second wave, but I mean, if the numbers continue to be good, it seems like, I mean, other sports are going to be back. Um, you know, the football is still a while away. I think that, you know, that they're going to have to test people regularly, players regularly, and, and do all the distancing stuff. But if if people are back on campuses, it makes it a lot easier for them to justify playing and all that stuff. So 
I, I would say, like, if I had to guess, I would say that we have a season and it's pretty close to normal as far as the games that are played. Um, I think that you could see a reduction in bowl games. Um, I'm not sure how that would yeah, work. I mean, just because yeah, like, they I mean, could be yeah. they could be deemed like unnecessary, if, yeah. if especially in the winter time. Um, and especially because then you're taking a bunch of kids from different places and putting them in to one neutral spot. sites. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it sounds like and, and those games aren't like on campuses. It's like yeah. you have to put them up in hotels, and it's like those games don't mean anything for like a playoff. So they're not like necessary. Um, I mean, you're even seeing it at the NBA and the NHL. I mean, they've yep. eliminated teams, right? Yeah, so, I that's mean, right. Like, so I think you could see a reduction in bowl games maybe to just a few. Um, and then so that that could change. And then maybe a reduction in, in the number of games played down to like eight or something. And, and that's only, I think, if they absolutely – I think at this point it's more likely that they just play every game than it is with maybe some of these like neutral games like UVA's game against Georgia move to, say, Athens – yeah, you know, if it's played in front of nobody, or just move to Bobby Dodd if there's not a game yeah. going. Yeah, exactly. It does right. feel like there's, no fans is going to be the is going to be the big change, right? That's what it feels. I like think right there'll now. be fans. Well, they're yeah, trying. I, I think a lot of teams are. Gonna, 30, I think a lot of teams 40%. are planning on having fans. It's just like I think there's going to be some places, like um, I'll just say California because I know they've had like stricter measures. They could have no fans, and then like Georgia could have sixty thousand fans. Like I mean, I think it's yeah. just going to be different <laughs> case by yeah. case, regional for yeah. sure. And also, if it's like if you do the distancing thing, I mean, like the stadium size does matter, right? So, I mean, like at Scott Stadium, you can fit a lot more people than you could at like, I don't know, uh, Wake Forest with with distancing, just because like there's more room. Um, but then again, I mean, you could fit a lot more people at like Neyland Stadium or like Happy Valley or the Big House than you could at UVA. So, um, I think everywhere is going to be a little different. But I think the games at this point, I would bet that they get played as normal or something close to that. With some yeah. games maybe yeah. being moved, maybe a few canceled here and there if there's like an outbreak within a team or something. Um, but this season's just going to be weird. I mean, people were talking about like um, if UVA comes back at this time, but Georgia's already been back. Like, how is that fair? It's like, well, I mean, like this season's just going to be weird. Like, you're just going to have to accept that. And your alternative is there's no games. So, like, yeah. I'd rather have an unfair season as long as everybody can play safely than none. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think you'll have bowl games this year. Maybe you at you know maybe because if you think about it, most schools seem to be playing with the model of going home and Thanksgiving. Um, I think you have a playoff. Yeah, you have a playoff because there's way too much money there. And also, it's uh, like maybe the, you it's have some two BCS more. Games, it's just but, it's just three more games. Like, but yeah, but it's yeah, not that much to ask. <laughs> yeah, your Gasparilla Bowl or whatever, even though it wasn't happening now already, isn't going to happen <laughs> this year. And, and maybe you just play another regional game. You know, maybe the sponsors figure that out. Like we talked before. Well, they have time to figure that out. I've always been a proponent of changing the spring game dynamic to be like a, an exhibition game where you could play another team. Yeah. Um. I think that that would be maybe an alternative to, like, the bowl games. Maybe, like, in the spring, like, if things are clearing up, you know, maybe, like, you kind of play those kind of, like, exhibition games in the spring or something. I don't know. If you want to get creative. I've also heard – I forget who posted this. I want to try to find it when we're done. But some coach recommended that they play the bowl games – this was before COVID – the next season to open up the next season. And so obviously it wouldn't be as much of a reward. It oh, would be yeah, kind yeah, of we, like earning your place that. into it for the next year. So like you would open the season with those. Um, because a lot of people are just like, ah, in December, it's like hard to get people up for these games. But like if they were, like for example, you just said like the Gasparilla Bowl. So if like Wake is playing 
uh, SMU in the Gasparilla Bowl in December, like not that many people care. Um, but if it's like the first game of the season, you know, those two fan bases are probably going to be into it. You know, it, I don't know. I mean, it, yeah, you can, it's just weird because you don't have the same players. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks for the seniors because then they lose their chance to, especially at a program where like, so for example, it would suck for UVA to play in the Orange Bowl without Bryce Perkins, who earned his <laughs> right to play there, right? I mean, like that would be weird. Um, but Although yeah, I, mean, I also wouldn't complain come if that's how they did it either. Like you know, so <laughs> this year, yeah. this year could be a one-off where they could do that. You know, but as far as games this season, I do think those of us who uh, bought season tickets for multiple two and ten teams over the past ten years will be rewarded. <laughs> <laughs> You've had season tickets how long? You get to come in. Yeah. So. Yep. All right. Well, that was a that was an impromptu fifteen minute conversation. I didn't expect. That's us usually to have. what happens after we end it. So yeah, I'll right. Yeah. Look show. at that. They got a little bit of they get a little bit of the Patreon. Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I want to thank um everybody out there for supporting the show. I want to thank David Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate everything that they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of Cascorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.